Hey everybody, this is Wonder Ministries, and I'm your host, Emma C., and we are going to be interviewing one of my dear friends that is from Little Rock. Her name is Sarah Moore, and Sarah, I am so, so, so excited for you to be here, (laughs) mostly because we haven't talked or hung out in a long time, a long, long time. And so um, so I just wanted to kind of introduce Sarah to you guys, and then she'll take it away until us or her story and we'll get to talk about what we've come to talk about today and so um sarah is originally from advanced north carolina is that right that's right okay (laughs) um where is that close to Asheville? that's the only place i know in north carolina so (laughs) it's like two hours from Asheville. so it's really close to winston-salem north carolina which is kind of like the triad area okay cool all right so yeah i'll act like i know (laughs) so i like north carolina it's beautiful up there and so um, and so she was formerly the children's ministry assistant at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Little Rock, which is where we worked together for a short time, um, before I ended up here in Kansas City. And now she is just recently, maybe a few months ago, right? Or yeah, January. Mm-hmm. So she's been promoted to the coordinator of the city center, uh, in Little Rock, which is right next to Emmanuel. And so, and still associated with it. So can you just give us a little brief uh, snippet of what you do now and what how that contrasts with what you did before. Yeah, so I am a city center coordinator, and so the city center is a nonprofit ministry of Emmanuel. And so basically, my purpose, my job is pretty much 50 50. I do about 50% ministry and 50% administration. So I'm kind of like this is not definitely what it is, but director of operations. So I make sure that everything runs properly and we have a food pantry and a dental clinic and a clothing closet and I make sure those run. And then also with doing event rentals. So I do a lot of like the pricing, um, calendaring, that sort of thing. But then also I get to do more of the ministry side of it with Tracy, who's the director of the city center. Um, and I love that aspect of it too. So I love to be organized and I love to also do ministry. So it's like the perfect blend of both. <laughs> it's funny because I remember when we worked together your office would be so organized and so just like in place. And then you come up to my office and it was, I worked with students. And so I always had some kind of random object in my office at all times. So I either had beach balls or sometimes I just had a student up there just hanging out and my office would be a mess. But you know, that's just, it's just church ministry, man. I loved it. (laughs) So, So yeah, tell us how, like what the, how the transition was from kids ministry into your job now. Yeah. So it was a, I don't want to say difficult. It was just different. Um, I went from doing kind of the same thing. I was still ministry and administrative work, but now I'm a kind of a lot more the behind the scene brains of ministry instead of just helping perform ministry. Um, so that was a big shift for me in that aspect, but also you go from kind of a, traditional style kids ministry and then moving into more of a missional aspect I was already pretty involved in our city but just now I'm even more so and so that was kind of a positive aspect of it then now I just am making even more friends in our city yeah <laughs> um, that's been a little bit challenging but not terribly you know COVID <laughs> it's yeah. been a little different but um it's been good awesome. and I love it that's awesome <laughs> So like, and you kind of touched on this, but what are some of the different ministries that the city center does? Yeah. So in our city center, we have two different areas. We're kind of calling them. So there's two halves of the building. So one half we're going to call our care area. So it stands for compassion and relief efforts. And that side houses our um, clothing closet, our food pantry, as well as our dental clinic. 
that our dental clinic and our food pantry kind of include this prayer slash counseling room area. And so that's one half of our building. And then the other half is our, we're calling it our development side. And so what includes in that is we will have um, adult education for GED and then post GED kind of next steps into life. In that area, we also have um, kids classrooms. So if we ever do some type of programming, we also have childcare areas. Also, we have a big event rental space that kind of that event rentals money will then kind of fund our ministries throughout the city centers, our goal. And then also in that area, it'll just be, we have a huge commons area that people can just kind of walk in and meet if they need to. There's also a time that people can walk in and just, we can help with job resourcing, we can help with housing resourcing, we can help with kind of whatever. Our goal is just to establish an environment that we wouldn't normally be able to meet with people. Um, that kind of these people wouldn't be able to meet with these people <laughs> and we want to get them together. And with that, we just want to connect people with other organizations in the city that are already killing it at an aspect of whatever they're needing. We don't want to recreate the wheel. <laughs> We're just trying to get people to the place that best suits them. Right. And those, so those are kind of our two sides and they just work in kind of simultaneously. We're hoping our care area, which is kind of our met need, will then transition into our development side, which is then pasture met need. That's amazing. It's yeah. that's such a cool ministry. And if you're in the Little Rock area, you should totally think about yeah. and consider volunteering with them because there are some really cool people that work there. And so, man, big fan of that. So, well, we're going to get to talk about a really cool topic today. And actually, a few couple, a cool couple topics. You know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Too many C's in there. <laughs> uh, a few really cool topics that we're going to talk about um, with Sarah. And so one of those is marriage, this topic of marriage and what that looks like. Um, Specifically, and that was hard for me to like start thinking about questions to send you, Sarah, as I told you, <laughs> because I'm not married. And so, um, and marriage is just su such a different calling to, and so it, it's very different than singleness. And I'm seeing that through my married friends, but it's like, it's one of the coolest things when I get to have married friends who get to invest in me while I'm still single right now. But, um, we're also going to talk about a little bit, go into talking about submission and talking about independence and how significant those things are. And we need to, you know, clarify what those mean and everything like that. But I also want to talk about one of my favorite memories with Sarah is that, do you remember when we <laughs> would go eat Slims like every week? So <laughs> we had a Slims right next to the, uh, to our, the church that we worked at and it was just right there. And so Sarah and I would go like maybe what, twice? once or twice a week and oh, yeah. go to Slims. they knew us by name <laughs> it was like it was so fun and so um that's what like we would just talk and hang out and um be back at you know at work in like two minutes <laughs> it was great yeah. so yeah but Those are some of my favorite memories too right oh thank you <laughs> now as a city center I can just walk over to Slims <laughs> you're so right and also you were one of the first people I told that I was going to go to seminary and you're my first supporters that just told me to go for it and so I just really, I just, I value our friendship so much. And I know, I hope you do too. And <laughs> so, no, I know you do. And so <laughs> I'm so grateful for who you are and your investment and how, even when I worked in students, how you and your husband would invest in the students there and just love on them. And man, we're, I'm just blessed by you guys. So, but we're not even, we're get, just getting started with this. So we're going to just talk, I'm going to ask some questions. First of all, 
would you mind sharing a little bit about your story and how you came to know the Lord and just how you got to where you're at now? Yeah, totally. So I have a fun, I kind of a fun um, faith story, but growing up, we were kind of a family that, uh, this is when I was still living in North Carolina. We grew up in a family that really just went to church Easter and Christmas. Um, and wasn't really anything talked about it other, at home other than just those were days you knew you were supposed to go to church. And what's kind of funny about it is that my grandmother was actually a secretary at a Methodist church. And so they would pick us up from school. So I actually spent a lot of time in church and didn't really know much about the Lord. And so kind of progressing on into my end of my middle school, high school years, I really struggled with where my identity fell. And I was a really um, high level softball player. And that's kind of where my identity was. And that's all I really cared about. And kind of realized that I didn't think, like I thought there was a, a God somehow, but I had no idea what that meant. I wasn't like, I was really actually kind of scared of church. I thought it was kind of cultish and was like, these people are crazy. And <laughs> so I kind of was always pretty good. Ronnie always jokes. I was a really morally good person that was still going to hell. <laughs> and so that was kind of my whole late middle school into um, high school um, years. I met my husband, Ronnie, in my 11th grade year of high school. And he kind of was my first person that introduced me to kind of what small groups look like in church. I went to his youth group a couple of times um, at Calvary Baptist West in advance and just had some really awesome people that kind of poured into us. Um, Meredith Showalter and her husband who um, married us were just really a good um, kind of people who poured into us. And I was kind of learning more and kind of accepting more like, okay, this is making sense, but I still have a ton of questions. And so transitioned to college, um, Ronnie and I were still dating and we went to the same university and really he was just basically a person who answered all of my questions or we went to church at a night church in Greenville, North Carolina. And he really just kind of kept answering or kept pushing me towards um, kind of my faith in everyday life. So my sophomore year of college, um, I accepted Christ and I also got baptized in April of 20. Oh gosh, I don't even know what year that was now. I don't even know what year it is now. <laughs> 14, I think, April of 2014. And it was kind of just this moment. Um, another fun fact was that we were studying this um, Nehemiah study. Our church was doing a building project. That's a pretty traditional study to do Nehemiah during that time. But it just kind of clicked for me. I'm like, the Lord will literally do anything for us. And he's going to challenge us and push us. And gosh, Sarah, you just got to follow this guy. <laughs> like, what are you thinking? And so from then on, I just, I have this such a strong passion for people who really come to Christ later in life, because I know what I felt like before I accepted Christ. I know that empty kind of not really knowing my direction, kind of fleeting happiness to then the ultimate joy that I found when I accepted him and really put my whole life into um, his hands. And so now this is year 2020. <laughs> I'm a really baby Christian still, and I'm working in ministry and trying to figure that out. And yeah, so part of my story too from college, I don't know if you want me to talk about this, but <laughs> it's okay. kind of my story. Um, I went through athletic training was my degree and 
I got that degree and worked in it for a year. And then we got a call to move to Little Rock, Arkansas and was just kind of really surprised. Like I got here, I was going to go to physician assistant school and the Lord was like, eh, I think you're going to do something different. And so I got a part-time job to help pay our bills while I was still in school. And my part-time job was at kids ministry assistant position, which kind of in January I had a breakdown, like, Oh my gosh, Ronnie, I don't know what I would want to do with my life. And he was like, just go for it. Just go for ministry, like try something different, even though you've worked your whole life for something else. And that was kind of really cementing our foundation here in Little Rock. I got, I went on a full time and then now I have this position and we really realized that we moved to Arkansas for this church and for the people of Little Rock and just to be a light in this community and also for it to really shape and mold us as well. And so that's been kind of my after faith after my coming to Jesus moment, <laughs> um, my faith story there. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm always so encouraged by your story and I've shared that with you before, but, uh, also another cool story that you guys have is how you and Ronnie met and how that, <laughs> how your marriage got, like how that started, how the Lord just orchestrated that because that was back when you were still not a believer, right? Correct. Yeah. So, Ronnie, I think I touched on this a little bit in our story, but I met Ronnie in the 11th grade of high school. He was 12th grade. He's year older than me. And our really sweet story, we had Spanish class together. And so I really did not learn any Spanish. Let me tell you. He walked in. I was like, man, he is the cutest guy I've ever seen. And I never met him before. We'd gone to school together for a long time and I just didn't know who he was. And so we were in class. We kind of in this class, we always teamed up into groups. So myself, Ronnie and Macy, I feel for Macy. She's still so sweet and like was our third wheel and basically always had these little groups that we worked in. And one day Ronnie like broke his ankle. He had to leave class and walk really far. So I'd always walk with him. And one day I was bold enough. I was like, how am I going to tell him that I like him? (laughs) So we told, I told him that I liked him through the game of hangman. (laughs) We were playing in downtime in Spanish class. And I was like, who do I like? And he was sitting there trying to fill it out. And I was like, it's you. (laughs) And he was like, oh, okay. And so (laughs) he was actually really sweet, like looking at it now. At first, he was like a stab to the heart. But I'm going to college. I don't know if I want to, you know, a relationship. And then I leave. And like, so anyway, he was really mature about all of it. But long game. Sarah got him. Don't worry guys. So, <laughs> we started dating in February 26th of 2011. And we just kind of had a crazy relationship slash marriage. Um, he went out to school. So I was a year at, um, in high school by myself. And then I went to college where he did. We both, I had tons of clinical hours and worked and he also worked three jobs. So we didn't really see each other much in college. And then his junior year, I believe he might quote me on that. He started this job with Bassmaster, which is what brought us to Arkansas, and he was traveling on the road all the time. So in our, before we got married, we dated for five years, and probably half or more of that time we spent apart. So it was really a challenge just on communication and all that, but whenever we kind of started going to church, it was just this really strong foundation that we both had of um, putting him first, which really helped our relationship, and then we got married in July, July 16th of 2016. And so we just really pushed forward in our marriage from that point and just being really strong in our faith. 
um, which has really led to all the amazing opportunities we've had and meeting you, Emma, and like all these awesome things. So we have a fun relationship. <laughs> oh, love you guys. And also, I also remember because he moved uh, to Arkansas before you oh. did, right? Yes, this is always a fact I forget to tell people. <laughs> yes, he moved to Arkansas in February of 2017, and I moved in June of 2017 because I had to finish my job contract. So that was real tough. Yeah. Just the fun facts that's 16 hours away from each other for four and a half months. And <laughs> so it was not a super fun time. We saw each other once in person during that. So oh not super fun, but we got through it. Yeah. <laughs> and all of the other time apart, it really prepared us for that. Yeah. But living in Arkansas, we've really been able to spend a lot more time together with his new job. So it's been really great. So, and as you, as we talk about marriage, this topic that I really believe is very, the Lord views very highly. And we see evidence of that throughout scripture from just the beginning, like right from Genesis all the way through Revelation. We see this idea of marriage that God just does not want his people to be alone. We see that through Adam and Eve and what those verses that we know, we know so hardcore about what a relationship looks like and especially when it's centered on Christ. And so I'm really, I, again, I'm super pumped to talk about this because I think um, in our world today, that's something that the value of marriage has gone down in a lot of ways. And so this idea that we need to talk about what, why is marriage so important and what does it look like and how is it important that we, that a wife submits to her husband and how Ephesians five and like what Paul talks about to the church in Ephesus, how that is significant there. And so I'm so, I'm just so excited to talk about this with you because I've learned so much from you and, um, but we're going to go right into it now. And so, um, so my first real, like my first question I want to start this whole conversation off is, so how you talk about your marriage to Ronnie and your relationship with Ronnie. So how did you know, like we always are, are wanting to know, how did you know, how did you know it was him? how did you know he was the right person? And so can you share a little bit about like what your thought process was on that? Yeah. So whenever, so we dated for like, I think I said this about five years before we actually got married. And during that time, I had all this transition of like my faith and all that. So I really just thought Ronnie was the best. He's always been my best friend. And that's why I kind of started like, oh, I just want to marry a guy, Ronnie, because he's my best friend. And he's like my guy. And, you know, he's really cute too. So why not? And, <laughs> and, but once I finally got into my faith and really learning about faith, it's like, oh, okay. He is the most godly man I know. He wants to leave me. He wants to, he wants anything for me that I want and wants to be able to support me in that. And that's kind of an independence thing we'll touch on later that he really wanted what was best for me and what the Lord wanted for me. And so those are really the concrete facts that really solidified, like, this is the man you're going to marry and you will be happy with the rest of your life. Like he was chosen for you um, for these reasons, because his gifting are a lot of places where I was short in gifting and vice versa. And so we really just relied on each other a lot while relying on the Lord to build us as one in marriage. And that's kind of how I knew yeah. <laughs> like finding somebody who wants to lead you is, is hard. Like there's not a lot of men who want to step up and lead you in a godly way. There are plenty of people who want to lead you in a godly way. And kind of how I knew that he was the one I needed to and wanted to marry. Yeah. I think that's so true though, because 
and we've uh, talked about this too, is that our culture is so focused on, you know, pro-feminism, pro-woman, pro, which is great. And I honestly support a lot of that stuff, but to an extent, you know, like when, to an extent of what scripture says as well. Um, because I think there is a balance and we'll talk about this later as well, but like balance between submission and a balance between equality. I think those are very different things. And I think people think they're very similar They, I mean, they can be in certain aspects, but not the same. They're not equal in any, in any way. They're talking about very different issues here. One's about marriage, one's not. And so it's like when you hear, and you're so right, not a lot of men step up and are willing to lead. And I think it's a big cycle right now of where women are trying to lead whenever they shouldn't be. And then they let men, you know, and that's just a cycle. And, um, but I, and I, and I also think just to touch on that, I think it also comes from this idea of identity in Christ as well, which is, I mean, that's the answer to a lot of these whole, like these things that we discussed, um, throughout the last few podcasts that we talked about, I've, I've tried to come back to this idea that when you seek your identity that is Christ-centered and the Christ-likeness that God places upon you. And if you, when you embrace that and you move forward with that, that's whenever a lot of these issues start to go down in your own heart and see how you are able to lead in a way that is, you know, as transparent for the gospel and for other people that are looking up to you as well. But I completely agree with you. And I think that's such a bold thing and a, a good thing to remember is that find somebody that wants to lead you because yeah. not that they need to right now, but they will eventually if you want, you know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. that, I will just touch on that is that I had a tough relationship growing up with my dad um, mm-hmm. and it really kind of skewed my perception of men. Yeah. And so I was very much so that girl who was like, I'm independent. I can do everything myself. I can make an, or have an awesome job. And I mean, we fought through that for the first couple of years of dating, like all these issues would come up and he, Sarah or Ronnie would be like, Sarah, we're fine. Like, I got this. Like, you don't have to do that. And yeah. so it's, it is a very cultural perception that we easily take on. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm very thankful for that, that he was a very assertive in a good way that like, no, I got this. Like, we're going to be fine. And we're going to both use our giftings to the best of our abilities and what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah. And that kind of goes into our next question, which is uh, why is it so important for people to pursue a marriage that is centered on Christ? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, I think a fun um, topic because it's kind of easy and people make it harder probably than it should be. <laughs> um, but you know, we're, I can't remember where it says this, but like everything is made to and for the glory of God. And we're talking about thing glory later, but marriage was made in the image of God. Adam was given a helper, um, to help him through life where he fell short. And so pursuing this godly marriage is like God created this marriage or this, um, covenant of marriage. And so why I always ask the question of like, why wouldn't you pursue a godly marriage? Well, I don't know. That's (laughs) hard for me to ask why, because it's always kind of made sense since I have known Christ that like, Oh, he made this 
we're made in his image. If you are wanting all of these wonderful things for your life, like things that are God's love and God's um, consistent joy and God's um, worthiness and all of these things, if you are wanting that for your marriage, Mm -hmm. but you are not pursuing him and you are not in his word with your spouse and you are not serving with your spouse. And if you are not doing all of these actions that God wants us to do, then your marriage will not be that. It's not kind of a, that's not supposed to be mean. That's not any of that. But if you're not doing these things, then how do you expect for your marriage to grow and flourish and be for God? If you're not doing that behind the scenes work, (laughs) Um, that's kind of always been, my outlook on why we pursue God so much other than our individual love for him. Mm-hmm. That's kind of my ultimate. But if we want this union of marriage to work and it to be like the image that God wants it to be, we have to pursue him. Yeah. And I don't know how else to say that. <laughs> oh, I think that's so good. That's yeah. I, I have no, yeah, I agree <laughs> completely. And I just think of how, again, how we were talking about, you know, we see this evidence that God does not want his people to be alone. And I think of family and I think that that's what he created us to be. He created his people to be together. And so, you know, and then I always remember Dr. Smith, Dr. Stephen Smith, he talks about this um, in, is it Discover Emmanuel? Whenever he has new guests that come and try to join the church at Emmanuel Baptist Church, if for those of you who are not, do not know what I'm talking about. And so it's this program that we have when new guests come to join the church, they come to this workshop called Discover Emmanuel. And it's with a lot of ministers in the church come and just introduce themselves. And uh, our pastor comes and speaks for a little bit. And he talks about commitment to the church is like marriage. And um, I, my favorite thing that he, uh, his analogy that he does, he has this wedding ring. He, he says, you know, just because I take off my wedding ring does not mean that I stop being married. And so, and I'm like, whoa, it's so true. Like, that's like, you know, whenever we, uh, just because you may not uh, be in church does not mean that you can't stop living for the Lord. Like, that is a commitment. That is something that you pledge yourself to do and and responding to a command that God has given you. And so, and maybe I'm misinterpreting the analogy, but that's what I would always get from it is that this idea that just because you are leaving the church doors does not mean that you're your identity of Christ is over. It's off until the next Sunday or the next time you open, you go into the church doors. It's, it's still going to be there, whether or not you're wearing the ring or not, you know? And so I just, I always, that's always stuck with me because it is such a good reminder for when we talk about church commitment and talking about our relationship with the Lord is something that you pursue actively, which I love that you talked about because especially as individuals as well, because, you know, if you, it's great if you're doing it as a couple, but if you're not doing it on your own, I can, I mean, I, again, I'm not married. I don't know this, but like, I know from like seeing and hearing from you and yeah. other of my fr- married friends that if you're not actively pursuing the Lord on your own, as well as when you're together, that it's going to hurt you guys in a, in a yeah. lot of ways. So I think it's uh, yeah. a part of that too, is that the times in our marriage that we have struggled the most have been times where either one of us have fallen short in our walk with Christ. Yeah. And it's whether it's a really tough time at, our works, whether it's a really tough time with our families, when we individually fall short, it hurts your marriage. It, not in a 
maybe the worst impactful way, but just your everyday life suffers. And so something in that I was, I can't remember where I read this, but it always makes me think of it is that individually your superior satisfaction in God, you are ultimately satisfied in your life with Christ and for Christ. So then your marriage should be good. If you're both individually satisfied in Christ, it will glorify his love even more so because you individually are pursuing that every day. And there's something of like, I think it's in Psalm something. I can't remember what chapter it is, but it's um, where steadfast love is better than life. And I was thinking about these questions I read in that, and that makes me individually, I know if I'm doing that and following through in that, then our marriage will persist all of the struggles that we will have because we will, we still have struggles, even though we, (laughs) we're both pursuing this. Yeah. So I think it's a good reminder for everyone that just because you're pursuing a godly marriage, your marriage will not be perfect. Yeah. Because you're individuals and we sin and we struggle and things happen. And not to give up on that when those things do happen. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, that kind of goes into what we're, uh, another question that I had for you. And um, talking about actively pursuing the Lord. Just with you and I and how in our, what we have done in the past in our hearts for ministry, we know discipleship usually is a result of that when you are actively pursuing the Lord on your own and together. And so what I'm wondering is how has discipleship been apparent in using your relationship? And this could be both between both of you guys together, or is it as you both together in terms of other people? Does that make sense? Yes, for sure. Um, so I'd say early on in our marriage, that was kind of a struggling point we had was we didn't really know how to connect and um, kind of disciple others. Um, but then as we moved here and we had, you know, we had good mentors and we had people who kind of taught us how to do these things. Mm-hmm. Um, discipleship has become a huge part of our life. Yeah. Um, in multiple aspects, the two, Ronnie and I, we serve in a group or a program called kids club and it's for our community um, kids kind of whatever age comes and shows up and it's kind of a really great <laughs> program but it's you know we do a bible lesson we do worship we do food with the kids and really it's just a time to create relationships with them and kind of learn more about them and their fam- families and from that we've really connected with a certain group of kids and wow. been able to really pour into that not only the children but also their families um and have had some really amazing God stories come out of that. And that's just been one of our biggest blessings of moving here. Um, and another way that we also, discipleship as a parent is um, we lead, it's called a life group. Um, it's a small sub portion of our Sunday school classes. And so this is our beginning of our third year. So we were in one the first year and then have taught the past two years. Um, we're beginning this new one. And really it is just couples who are either engaged or married and we meet every single Sunday night, unless it's a major holiday. (laughs) And we really just walk deeply through the Bible together. And the goal is at the end of this, you should feel comfortable to go out and disciple someone else and know that we're here to help you with whatever. Um, It's kind of a, Emma and I both went through downline. (laughs) 
<laughs> she went through it last year and I went through it this past year and it's kind of built off of that a little bit. It has kind of half of that, um, what am I trying to say? Curriculum and then half from the church and, and a kind of a master life kind of course. And it has really been powerful for us because we walk for one whole year with these two to four couples, however many we have that year. And we're just teaching them exactly what we were taught, pouring out into them as they're our disciples. But then they can also got important to their community as we're doing the same with like kids club or different ways like that. Yeah. Um, and then both of us individually have discipled um, people that are kind of like one life stage behind us. Um, I'm doing that right now for somebody and doing that and getting to come back and share those stories of how we're individually doing it just help us even more so in those other ways we serve together. And it'll make me cry because it's really beautiful and just kind of something we, I never saw myself doing because I was really shy before I even moved here. And now I'm like, let's do it. Throw me in the middle of it. <laughs> let's figure it out. So I think discipleship other than being a parent in our lives has helped both of us extremely with our kind of like gospel com confidence, whereas it's helping others as well. So it's really cool to serve with your spouse in that type yeah. of way. Oh, you guys are, I just, and I respect you both because of how you both are so willing to do that together, but then also do it on your own as well. Like yeah. I said, and that's like why I asked you that question because I know there's evidence of that. And I think that's so important in, a marriage and from when I how I've looked at after you guys and after other people in my life I've seen the re, the way that their marriage works and it grows in a very godly way is because they're not only just serving with each other but they're actively serving on their own as well and so which I think we'll talk about a little bit more later as well I keep saying that but <laughs> there's more to come and so but like this idea of individuality and um being independent and what that looks like and how can we balance that and all this stuff. And so, um, but yeah, we'll talk about that in a few questions, but I also think with that idea in mind, as we jump into that, this idea of submission, you know, we get this, like, it's almost a word that has a really bad connotation with it. You know, we hear it and we kind of go, Oh, that's not yeah. good. <laughs> that's not, that's not okay. We can't, you know, because like if you submit, you can't be independent. That's immediately what our minds go to. And that's not the case at all. And I just wanted to talk to you a bit and discuss with you about submission and um, what that means. And so if you like from what, from your, from evidence in your marriage, how can you define submission for us? Yeah. Um, I'll touch on people. It's hard to talk about submission because of the culture aspect of it. Yes. Um, but just in our marriage, and this sounds really silly sometimes, but it was hard for me at the start of our marriage to submit to Ronnie, yeah. to submit to knowing what he needed to lead our family with. I think that's a one good thing about a submission conversation with your spouse or potential spouse is talking about it. Yeah. What, what does the Lord expect me to submit to you with? Mm. Like, I think and this is a lot of things I'll say, it's just having these conversations really help you. Yeah. And so for us, it was just like, well, I can pay all the bills or Ronnie, I, I can lead you spiritually <laughs> or in aspects like that of like, you can grow and learn from each other. But for me, it was specifically hard for my job, for bills, for silly things of like, 
letting him share our the gospel part of our family and me not butting in all the time. (laughs) So even things like that, and that sounds kind of iffy because I'm obviously sharing about our marriage right now, but it's just these little tiny things that if you just talk about them, they don't become a huge deal and people don't like to talk about them. This is funny. I learned this a couple of years ago, but you may have been thinking about something for six months and haven't vocalized it. And so you're expecting the other person to know what you were thinking and you then in turn put frustration into that. Whereas if you just talk about things like submission or any of those aspects of marriage, it helps you so much because then I'm not frustrated about it because I know God's word tells me to submit to that. I'm not perfect. (laughs) We still push back sometimes, but we try really hard. And I think for submission, just, the definition in our marriage is letting Ronnie leave me, mm. which is in, in every aspect of my life. And that's hard. Yeah. But I know God told me to do it. So. Yeah. And sometimes what God tells you to do is not something you immediately are all gun ho about at first. And so we both know this for sure. But um, Even people who work in ministry, we are yeah. not perfect. <laughs> We're not perfect at all. Man. But yeah, I think that's a good point. I don't know if you have more thoughts on that, but yeah, no, I think, yeah, I think that's a really good point to remember is that, um, God commands it. So you, you need to do it. And I think submission, it's just so sad that that's such a bad, like this bad word, you know, or this bad idea of what, like people are like, no, I'm not going to submit to my husband because that means I'm weak. And it's like this connotation of weakness, but you know, you see, again, throughout scripture, this idea that submission is a powerful thing to do. It's very much a, a, a strong tool that you can use in your marriage to glorify God, because that's what, that's a representation of the gospel. And so, and isn't that what our marriage, is, like a marriage is supposed to be? It's supposed to be a representation of what God and what Jesus did for the church. And I, yeah. and so when we look at passages like Ephesians 5, Ephesians 5 and how wives submit to your husbands and um you know and then we immediately go to oh gender roles all this stuff and like but there's just they're so different and you know just submitting to your husband shows that you are willing to sacrifice what you you believe and what you're willing to stand strong for in order to respect somebody that is going to lead your marriage like you're talking about with ronnie and so i think that's a very powerful thing that you can do to share the gospel with other people and as you said, whenever you follow submission to the to leading from your husband, then you're able to, I feel like God is able to really work through that as well and bring people in. And so and I love how you said that. A good reminder, we always talk about Ephesians 5, because that's obviously where it says it. But it's even going back to Genesis of when Adam was given, a, the word helper is also a cultural issue yeah. with people. And I learned this in Downline last year and just how, Helper, the word helper is used frequently in the Bible to describe the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it is someone who kind of quietly guides you and quietly helps you. And I think submission is a direct relation to that. Yeah. You are, or I am helping my husband by letting him lead, but also kind of being the supporter guider behind him 
in a in a positive way. You can also do that in a very negative way. But I think that's a good reminder for yeah, just especially people if they are young and getting married, that's hard. Mm -hmm. You have not lived your life yet and yeah. you're trying to figure it out. And I think it's just a good reminder yeah. that being a helper and being submitting to your husband is really a powerful thing, like you're yeah. saying. Oh, and I love, that. I love how you brought that in because I love when I first heard that reminder through downline, I remember just being like, because I was all like, you know, uh, why is, are we, you know, this whole idea of like the word helper, I just really hung up on that. And I was like, I don't understand because I'm a very independent person. And so I, I remember even being like, I don't understand why this, why we get the word helper. Why is that a big deal? And then whenever I heard, I think it was Danny or somebody, maybe it was Robert Lewis. Yeah. I think it was Robert Lewis. Cause he was yeah. talking about, yeah, I think you're, I think you're, yeah, one of those guys, one of those cool people <laughs> that we learned from. Um, and I remember one of them said, talked about helper and what that looks like. And I can't remember what the Hebrew word is. I actually wrote about it in one of my papers for, um, for systematic theology two or systematic theology one on feminism and in the church and what that looks like. And I, I talked about that part of Genesis and it was like, again, like you were saying, a powerful thing be acknowledged as this quiet su support, this yeah. quiet person that like, you know, is submitting to the person that they're helping like Eve was to Adam, but they're doing it in a way that is also not just silent. They're doing it in a way that's actually going to be vocally powerful in a way that leads them to the correct path that they need to go to. And they're, they also, in order for them to be able to lead them that way, lead in the very, you know, submissive text, you know, they have to be obedient to Christ too. They have to be listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying as well. And so I love the relationship between the Holy Spirit and the female and the woman, because it shows that it is not a fact, you know, the simple idea of what a woman should be. And, you know, she should be quiet. She should be not, yeah. she's actually very existent, but in a very powerful way and not using her words to move in order to that, just like the Holy Spirit used is doing that for the, you know, the Trinity. And so, um, it's become a really big joke in our family when I retaught, I think I retaught this lesson to Ronnie through downline. And when I said that, he was like, oh, so you're the Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, mm, no. <laughs> now when he sees me helping, he kind of, it's like kind of like a little wink, wink. I see you Helper. <laughs> over there. <laughs> so that's oh just kind gosh. of a joke in our home now. But I think it's fun to just bring that up. Like it's an acknowledgement of him seeing me help. Whereas I acknowledge when he leads yeah. and it's just kind of a cool little thing that we do yeah. in our marriage. <laughs> oh yeah. I love that. So, um, okay. So my next question is how can you be unified in your marriage, but still pursue being independent in, in your own person? Yeah. So that's where I said this a couple of things ago. Just having that conversation is what will change that in your marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, if you, <laughs> And that's just kind of a blanket statement. If you bring up this conversation and actually are willing to sit down and say, these are the giftings that I have and things I want to do independently away from you with your support still, and then vice versa for your husband, having that conversation just changes that. It's like, I still am independent. I still have giftings that I can use. You still have giftings that you can use separately of things that we're not 
really interested in, <laughs> but I support you in that. And that's kind of the easiest way I can talk about that yeah. is that being, and I've realized this throughout this whole coronavirus time is that I easily identify in things that I'm working on really passionately about. So because I work in ministry, well, I'm always looking at the Lord because that's my job. Yeah. Well, it's like, actually, are you, or are you finding your identity in your job of showing Christ to others or are you actually living in him? And for me independently, I kind of looked back and I was like, what do you actually like to do outside of your job? And that's kind of something hard. So I've vocalized that to Ronnie of like, wow, I've been doing a lot of things together. And other than independently helping disciple ladies in my job, it's been like, wow, I really need some help on this where you can help each other push to be independent in specific ways. Um, I don't think when you're married, you have to do everything together. I think you shouldn't do everything together because you're, you're gifted in different ways. Yeah. And so I think that's how we kind of manage our independence in this relationship. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I, I love that. That was good. Yeah. So, and it makes me think, think people are scared to do that sometimes. Yeah. Um, absolutely. There's this, I don't know. You're an Enneagram person. I don't know if people listening to this are Enneagram people, but I'm a two. We brought it up a few times on this. So, okay. so I'm a two, wing three. And my husband, Ronnie, he's an eight. I don't know what his wing is. Uh, <laughs> Probably a seven. I feel like he would be an eight, wing seven. <laughs> I could see it. A thing that has just come out in this when I've been reading kind of the Christian versions of Enneagram is that twos can become very dependent upon eights because they're so strong willed and they're just strong leaders. Yeah. And I, that's kind of something knowing your personality and not becoming dependent upon your spouse. Um, obviously I depend on Ronnie to help me pay my bills and I depend on Ronnie to, you know, help me change my tire or, you know, whatever, but not becoming dependent where your, your spirit and your, walk with Christ becomes dependent upon your spouse doing it with yeah. you. Oh yeah. That's good. That can, you know, just depending on your personality type. And I think Ronnie would go the other way. He could push so far away from me and do everything on his own that he has to remember that he has to do it with me. Yeah. So I think that's a strong part of what I've just learned about that personality testing has been really helpful for us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So good. I love that. And I love, and I, when I think about individuality, and I shared this a little bit earlier, um, this idea that, you know, whenever you seek an identity that's Christ and that has, you put on and embrace that. And like you said, not do it because your spouse is doing it or do it just to please your spouse, but to do it for what God called you to do and his command for us to put on our, that this new self as Romans talks about in Romans six, six through seven. Um, great passage, by the way. Um, but like, <laughs> it's a great one. Um, but it talks about, you know, putting off the old self and putting on the new self because the old self was riddled with sin and the new self is, is completely like transparently beautiful because of the, the goodness of who Jesus is. And so we embrace that. That means that we're actively pursuing this a relationship with him and an identity in him. And I think as we talked about and what you just said, I think you're so right because it reminds us that 
when you're actively pursuing that on your own, that means that, you know, again, you're, the Lord's going to be able to use that, your marriage to glorify him more through that instead of just being so dependent on somebody else as well. So, yeah. And I love how you talked about the Enneagram on that because that's such a good point too, because I'm a seven. And so, um, I can get overly like, you know, independent sometimes. And so I'm definitely in the stage of my life where I'm like, singleness is the best thing in the entire world. And I'm just like living it up. <laughs> and so like I, everyone else, like, I, I mean, I definitely desire that one day, but I'm definitely in the point where I'm like, I'm 24. I am in seminary. I am, you know, investing in this ministry and I am just, I'm good. I don't, you know, I don't need that dependence, but it's also the Lord softening my heart to that as well, preparing me for that. And so I am able to see how important for that dependence to happen um, one day. And so I, I love how you shared that because that's such a good truth to be reminded of as well for all the Enneagram people out there <laughs> like myself. And so Emma laughs about this because my husband is an eight and he's very aggressive. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love Ronnie so much. Him, him and I are so similar. I just, oh man, I, there's just so many Ronnie stories I could talk about, but there's an, we can, we'll talk about that another time. <laughs> so I would not have been surprised if he was right there next to you whenever I started this, like this episode, <laughs> like <laughs> he was actually mowing the grass and sitting out here waving at me. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> oh man. He's a great guy. You guys are awesome. They're, if you know Sarah and Ronnie, you know how fun they are together because they're so different. But <laughs> so, yeah, man. Um, and so, final, which I'm so sad this episode is running down because I feel like this is such a good topic to talk about. And we can even just like with submission and with, you know, um, finding individuality within marriage and also relationships. Those are very big, three different topics, but I, I know that we could talk about this for hours. <laughs> and so, um, but I'm going to cut it short, um, for time restraints, but I do want to leave on this question that I have for you, which I ask for every single guest of mine. Um, so how can you live on mission and specifically in this topic that we're talking about to encourage women who are either single, who are engaged, who specifically are married, because that's what we've been talking about. Um, and women who are, uh, sorry, and women who are wanting to find the balance of pursuing independence and seeking unity with their husband. So it's kind of a loaded question right there for you. But yeah, go take a stab at it. So we've been kind of, I've been personally working on this balance. Um, and so I wrote down a couple of things just when I was looking, thinking of this question of, well, small group. Okay. Well, life group well we're part of a life group with other married people well that group is a subgroup of just all the wives and I think a huge part of any small group doesn't be with your church it could be in your neighborhood it could be wherever um is that you have to be open and honest about your marriage and a big part of that open and honesty about your marriage is that before you go to these group meetings, you have to have that conversation with your spouse. What are we going to share with others about our relationship to help them? Mm -hmm. uh, I guess simply as a wife share things, but I think that's just a, something that's always been on my heart is that, you know, I don't say things about Ronnie that he doesn't know I'm going to say out loud. Yeah. I think that's a huge aspect of being on mission for others is thinking about your own relationship and what you want to be sharing with them. Um, and with that, 
when you share your life with people, especially women, which really <laughs> come back to, we should only be sharing about our side of the relationship with women, <laughs> um, that it's okay to have these failures and to have these struggles and to not know where you're going and to kind of not know how to be independent in your marriage and how to not, you feel too independent. You need to be more unified. I think that's a big thing is just being uh, a huge advocate for them. And also just being a big part of sharing your story because it's going to help somebody. Um, Other than that, it's like in-depth one-on-one discipleship. It's the same thing. It's sharing your life and it's sharing, gospel knowledge and it's sharing what you, how you perceive it and kind of hearing the other side of it as well. But then I also thought about, well, ladies who are single or ladies who are divorced, maybe had a bad relationship or maybe ladies who are widowed, whatever it is, if you are living on your own, it's that you still know all this gospel truth. Yeah. No matter if you have been married before or you haven't been married before, you know what the Lord says about, um, marriage and about how to treat your spouse, how your spouse should treat you, etc. that you, you know, those things don't think you don't. Yeah. Um, and so you can live on mission, <laughs> even though you may not experience things. Yeah. Um, and second to that is that you probably know people just like you, Emma. I mean, talking to me, you have friends who are married and they've either been married for a short time, a long time, whatever you have mentors. It's good if you don't know the answers. Send yeah. Somebody else say, Hey, this is my friend. We've been working on this, or maybe have a meeting with the three of you, whatever it is. That's our whole point. That's why God gives us others. So we should use them to the best of our abilities. And living on mission is just knowing your options. It is knowing that I have life experience I can share with you. I have a bunch of friends that have life experience that I can share with you. And I think that's just the best thing about being on mission. But it does take time and isn't like talking to your friend for 30 minutes every six months. It is checking in with them weekly. It is hearing their burdens. It is lifting up their spirits. It is celebrating in their joy. And I think that's a good reminder for people that living life on mission is kind of always being on. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you're like, I need a break. Yeah. (laughs) When you do know those breaks, please take them because bad things can come of that. <laughs> but um, I think that's just the way that I've lived on mission and how I've seen others in my life live on mission is that, you know, I've kind of this fun relationship with my boss, but I never thought I'd have Tracy. Um, she had a mentor in this, and a lady named Kathy who has been like a second mom to her. And now Tracy is doing the exact same thing for me and being a second mom to me and really got her life experience. I think it's beautiful just to, be working with people if you are married in that's life stages behind you yeah you can still help people because you still know all this godly knowledge and i think it's just a cool that the lord gives us different people in different times of our lives that we need and i've learned many a things from emma and i'm sure she's learned things from me too and that's why it's beautiful to have friendships like this so Oh, I love talking to you. You're so sweet. But I, and I completely agree. Like that makes me think about like, you know, Amy Reipkema is one, as a woman in our church that she has, 
a few kids and that are, some of them are in student ministry, some of them are younger. And I'm hoping she's listening to this now. (laughs) And so um, I've been sending them to her, but she's been a big mentor in my life since I moved to Little Rock. And even since I've left, like, and I think when you have mentors like that, that are not going to waver just because you may not be in the vicinity of them anymore. Like my relationship with Sarah, we're very, I mean, we don't talk all the time. I wish we could, but I know, but like, this is, you know, we haven't spoken like this probably in like what, six months or so. And, but like, it's almost, it's very encouraging. Every single time I talk to her is very encouraging and very truth filled and convicting. And those are the people you want to also surround yourself with, whether whatever stage of life that you're in, whether you're single, engaged, married, you know, whatever uh, stage you are in right now. But I also see, like, I look up to Amy so much and I, I know every time I go to Little Rock, I can call her up and just be like, Hey, can I come stay with you? Can I be your, cause I just love being around their family and I love being around Sarah and I love being around all these other women in my life that um, have invested in me. And so I think, a big part of that, like what you're saying is surrounding you with yourself with people like that, that are going to constantly and never stop investing in you. Cause that's how you're going to be around people eventually that are younger than you as well. And so it just, I think that's been a big part of why I love ministry so much is because I'm seeing the evidence of their ministry in my life. And I'm hoping that that will, I'll be able to transport that over to something to somebody else as well. You know, I, Women are awesome. They're awesome. <laughs> great friends and great supporters. And just like you're saying, yeah. I have best friends that are 26 like me, and I love that I have best friends that are 56. Yeah. Like they are, don't, you always want to surround yourself with good people. Good people who influence your life and have, you know, godly purpose for their lives and everything. But just surrounding yourself with others who are similar to you or in the same life stage as you is just so beneficial to you. Like you're saying, it's just so good to have consistent people in your lives, basically. And I'd say that's live on mission like you're living on mission for your best friend. Yeah. Pray for them. Yeah. I love everyone and I want everyone to have a great marriage and a great relationship and great singleness like you, you want the best for everybody yeah <laughs> I think that's also a good outlook on life just the joy that you get to do this and I think it's a good reminder yeah absolutely well Sarah I just love talking to you and I I we both were like we could talk about this for hours and hours <laughs> and keep going <laughs> but um I'm just so grateful for you I'm just so grateful that you decide you wanted to participate in this and be a part of this and share. Um, Cause I just, I, I really look up to this girl, you guys. She's awesome. If you know her, you know what I'm talking about. And so, um, and so I really hope everyone listening to this was encouraged by this, this talk, this conversation, this, hopefully this provokes you to have more conversations with people that are in different life stages than you are. Um, start those conversations with people that you look up to. Uh, don't be afraid to ask. I think that's something I've been really learning a lot about was don't be afraid to ask questions, you know, because questions are great and they can really help provoke your learning and make you a lifelong learner, which is what I think we should desire wholeheartedly. And so 
Sarah, thank you so much for being a part of this today. And you guys, we are going to be tuning in for another podcast, hopefully soon. And I think we're going to talk about singleness. So it'll be a very different conversation, which is such an awesome topic. (laughs) So I'm very excited about it. Um, And so tune in. I, it should be around this week. As you know me, you know, it probably, there's not really a consistency yet, but we will have that hopefully soon. The Lord's doing some cool things through this podcast. And I'm so encouraged to hear about how you guys are all, what the Lord's doing through each one of these. And it's been cool to get back from a lot of feedback from that. So Praying for you guys. I hope you guys have a great week. And thank you so much, Sarah. Bye.